I want to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. I think the young people don't need to turn to Proverbs. They've memorized Proverbs, I hope, for the Bible. The Bible quiz at camp this year is over Proverbs, so they have been very, very diligently studying the book of Proverbs. But I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to begin our Bible reading in verse number 7 of chapter 1. We're going to keep reading on into chapter 2, in just the five verses of chapter 2. But we'll start in Proverbs 1 and start our Bible reading in verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. They shall be ornaments of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of every one that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of, his, of the owners thereof. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gate, in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have sat at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices 
For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quit from fear of evil. My son, if thou wilt receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Amen. We're going to end there at the end of verse number 5. And let's seek the Lord in prayer. Let's ask his help as we come to this this evening. Let's pray. Our Father, with our Bibles open now, we come to this section in the scriptures that we call the wisdom books. A book here especially that teaches us that it is the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And we pray that tonight you would Keep us in your fear. We pray that you would teach us from your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is Father's Day. I didn't mention anything of that this morning. I guess in the announcements, at least, I should have said Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I myself am a father. I think my children think I'm dirty because they bought me a vacuum cleaner for Father's Day. Um, But it's one that I've wanted. It's a DeWalt battery-powered shop vac. It's awesome, and I wanted that. But happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Unfortunately, though, our society is riddled with derelict fathers who have fallen far short of their responsibilities in bringing up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Sadly, many of these themselves were not brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so they have no context and they have no desire to bring their own children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But that's not the case for us. Maybe you weren't necessarily raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but I think for the vast majority of us, our testimony is such that we have been brought up in such a way. And we rejoice in that. We praise the Lord for that heritage that we can look back upon uh, in our Christian life. It is perfectly natural for every parent to want the absolute best for their children. And as parents, many times we sacrifice our own wants and our own needs for the sake of our children. We want to give them better than we have ourselves, and we want to provide for them. We want to make their pathway easier than ours has been. And so we sacrifice and we labor for that, and rightly so. If you look around at the average parent today, most try to satisfy their children's wants and desires with stuff. They buy them things. They buy them more and more and more things. And it doesn't take long just to go and observe the toy aisle at the local store to find selfish children demanding of their parents the newest and latest toys and and parents caving in and buying and giving the kid 
whatever they want. Well, as Christian parents, we should have an entirely different focus, and I believe we do. Rather than things, our children need something far greater. They need, for one, they need tools for life that will help them to grow and be responsible citizens and good Christian church members. For example, our children need to learn responsibility. They need to learn courage. They need to learn to do hard work and not be lazy. They need to learn the value of a dollar. They need to learn how to be polite and courteous to others. But more than all of those things, they need to learn the knowledge of God. That's what we are brought to at the end of verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That is what we as fathers have the responsibility to do, to teach our children the knowledge of the Lord. The Apostle John, he says in his, one of his epistles, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, he might not have been talking about his biological children. He was no doubt in that context speaking of his spiritual children in the faith, those that he had led to the Lord, those in the context of the early church that he had influence in their conversion and their walk with the Lord. And he says, I look back on all those people and nothing brings me more joy than to know that those that I have begat in the Lord, as it were, are continuing on to walk in truth. But yet, is that not the case for us as parents with our biological children? Or, I don't think this applies in our context, but adopted children, those that we have brought into our home, those that we have the responsibility for. We have no greater joy than to see that they walk in truth. There's a sense in which I don't care if my children are poor as dirt. As long as they walk in truth. That, that's the desire of our heart. More than that they be successful, more than that they make a name for themselves, we want them to walk in truth. They could have all the money that they could dream of having. They could have the most successful career and path of life that anyone would ever want. But yet if they're not walking in truth, then of what real value is it? Solomon the wisest man who ever lived, he took the time to instruct his children. And he told them plainly of the dangers that were up ahead. He warned them of various pitfalls and obstacles that they would face along the way. And he instructed them in the way that they should go, ultimately leading them to the Lord to find the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. He understood that to be the most important thing. So as we come to the end of this Father's Day, I want to preach to you on the subject of wise instruction from a wise father. That's the, the subject for this evening. Wise instruction from a wise father. And I want you to see, first of all, a fathers, as fathers, we have the divine responsibility to instruct our children. It is a divine responsibility that we have. You could put the word duty instead of responsibility. That would be fine. It is a divine responsibility to instruct our children. And obviously, as I speak to fathers, I speak to mothers, I speak to us as parents, I speak to grandparents, I speak to all of us who have a responsibility 
to lead and instruct and, and seek to oversee the spiritual welfare and guidance of the next generation. It's our responsibility to instruct them. Fathers are specifically called out in the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs. Uh, Solomon, this wise father, is instructing his children. It's as if he has called a special family meeting. And they're all gathered around. And he is teaching them. I know we have the word son there in the singular. But I think we understand the the point and the sentiment here. Uh, We don't have any options in this. It's a divine responsibility that we have as fathers, as the heads of our home to instruct our children in the things of the Lord. We as fathers are not called to be dictators. We're not called to be sovereign potentates of our home. We're not called to be lone rangers, making decisions all by ourselves without the input of our wives. And I would go on to say even sometimes in an appropriate way, even the input of our children at times. But it's incumbent upon us to own this responsibility of instructing our homes and our children. We're not those in a sovereign way never to be contradicted or never to be challenged. But we're to lead in a way that is humble. We rule as God rules us. And in a very real way, we exercise that position as under-shepherd in our home. Christ, the chief shepherd, he's the chief shepherd of the church, but he's the chief shepherd of the home, and we are under him, and we call upon those in our family, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the responsibility that we have. I want to give you two reasons why it is our responsibility to instruct our children in the things of the Lord. The first reason is because our children are sinners. Now that's no secret. You live with your kids and you know they're sinners. Sin is natural to their heart. We don't teach our children to sin. We don't teach our children to be selfish. We don't teach our children to be greedy. We don't teach our children to pitch a fit. We don't teach our children to lie We don't teach our children to hide things from us. That comes natural. It's in their heart. Now, unfortunately, there are times that we teach our children to be better sinners. We we teach them by our own example to be better. There are some situations where a father or mother can be so rigid and so strict and so inflexible in their home that what they really do is they teach their children to hide things. And and they teach their children to be very good liars, hiding things from their parents. But sometimes we as parents, by our actions, we teach them to be better sinners. If we scream and holler at our kids, well then don't be surprised when our kids scream and holler back. When we lose our temper and fly off the handle, then don't be surprised when our children lose their temper and fly off the handle as well. If our children see us lying to a coworker or hiding things from our spouse or doing things in that way, don't be surprised if your children follow suit. 
And they just follow the example that they're taught. You know, the saying, more is caught than taught. And they, they watch us. And they follow us. And I've seen it with mine. I have put my hand to my head and say, you know, that's the exact same thing I used to do. And there they go, doing the exact same bad, wicked thing I used to do. And Lord help them. So we don't want to teach our children to be better sinners, but we instruct our children because we understand that they are sinners. But we also must instruct them because our children are foolish. Uh, We go on to chapter 22 of Proverbs and we read that verse, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Perhaps some are more foolish than others, but our children are foolish. Foolishness is in their heart. It's bound up there. And that foolishness that they possess does lead them to sin, yes, but it also fosters an immaturity that needs to be taught out of them. Part of the instruction that we give our children is to direct them out of their foolishness, to point out their foolishness when it is foolishness. You know, it's not a sin to eat candy, but our children left to themselves in their foolishness, a small child anyway, would eat nothing but candy. It's not... It's not foolish, I'm sorry, it's not sinful to play a video game. But our children in their foolishness would do nothing but play video games. It's not foolish to read a good, I'm sorry, it's not sinful to read a good book. But our children in their foolishness, some, this tends to be girls more than boys, but they'd stay up all night reading a book and never go to sleep. It's not a sin to play outside, but our children left to themselves in their foolishness, they would only play outside. And they would come and they would skip their schoolwork and skip their chores and not do the responsibilities that they have in the home. And so because of our children's sinfulness and because of their foolishness, we must instruct them in the right way that they are to go. And because of our children's foolishness as well, they they will, because of their sinfulness and because of their foolishness, they're going to reject the instruction that we give. And so what do we do? What is your option? Well, some have chosen to stop giving instruction. I give up. They won't listen. I give up. Well, that's a bad plan. The other option is to keep instructing. You keep instructing line upon line, precept upon precept. You keep instructing over and over and over again. And when they don't listen, you keep instructing over and over and over again. And in fact, it is our responsibility as fathers, it's our responsibility as parents to discipline the foolishness out of our children. That verse that I quoted from chapter 22 says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But that's not all the verse. The verse continues on to say, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. What is the solution for your child's foolishness? It is the rod of correction. The rod of correction drives that foolishness out of the child. That's what the Bible says. This isn't... Dr. Spock's parenting book. 
This isn't, you know, Ted Tripp's, you know, shepherding a child's heart's opinion. This is the Word of God. We discipline the foolishness out of our children. We discipline in love, but we discipline. And the Bible is clear, Proverbs is clear. If you find a parent that does not discipline their children, it's proof that they hate their child. You see, the world has it so backwards. The world would say, no, I love my child, so I don't spank them. No, you're a liar. The Bible calls you a liar. The Bible says if you love them, you will chasten them. If you love them, you will not spare the rod. Now, sometimes the rod's a spanking, fair enough. But sometimes the rod is other forms of discipline. Sometimes the rod is literal. Sometimes the rod is metaphorical. And depending on the nature of the punishment, the nature of, uh, of the punishment administered uh, is whether or not the rod is literal or metaphorical. But the rod is not always metaphorical. It is also literal. So we discipline our children. We discipline that foolishness out of them. And that's what the Bible tells us that we have to do. And so as fathers, it's our responsibility to instruct our children because they're sinful and because they're foolish. We have to do that. But the second thing I want you to see here is that a father's instruction covers every area of life. Now, don't be scared. I'm not going to cover every area of life. But the Bible does. The Bible deals with all of these areas. Look at verse 10. One of the areas that we are to instruct our children is in the dangers of wicked men. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And so we teach our, da- our children the dangers of wicked men that are out there that would lead them astray, that would take them into wickedness. And all around us are evil men and women who would try to lead our children astray. We try to take them down a pathway of sin. And children are enticed by the glitz and the glamour. Sin does have pleasure for a season. And Satan is a master of dangling the pleasures in front of our children and, and getting them to follow. And our children, because of their sinfulness and because of their foolishness, they don't have a discernment to see through the glitz and the glamour of it to see the death and the, the carnage that's on the other side. And so we instruct them in this. We, we seek to cover every area of life. We as parents, with a level of spiritual maturity, have come to understand more and more of the dangers of wicked men. We understand the, entice- and the enticements and the allurements of the world that are out there. Now, in our context, in, in this local church, I guess all of us, have come to a decision and a conclusion that one of the ways we are going to try to prevent our children from being enticed by wicked men is we're going to homeschool. We're going to to do what we can to bring them out of worldly instruction on that level, and we're going to seek to try to protect them, and that is one of the ways that we want to do it. But you are a fool's fool, if you think homeschooling is the answer to your children's spiritual problems, because it just is not. I deal with them every day, and I find them often not godly. 
I find them as, as wicked and as worldly as the rest of culture. They're maybe a little bit more sanitized. They shop at Hobby Lobby and they go to Chick-fil-A, but they're still worldly. Right? They're still worldly. And so homeschooling is not really the answer to that. That's not sufficient. That's not enough to keep our children from the wickedness of this world. But it's incumbent upon us as parents to warn them of the dangers that are out there. A second area of instruction is the dangers of following the crowd. Look at verse 11. If you notice from verse 11 to 16, I'll give you just a moment. Scan your eyes over those verses. I'm not going to reread them. But scan your eyes from 11 to 16 and notice all the pronouns are plural. Look at all of the they's and the us and the we and the our. Right Here's the crowd. If they, the crowd comes and they say, let us be up to no good. Join in with us. Follow us. Follow us in doing evil. We have these plans of evil that we're going to do. And so come join yourself with us. Follow us into evil. Well, one of the easiest things for our children to do is to follow the crowd. It's easier to go with the flow. It's far more difficult to swim upstream. The salmon, when they swim upstream, they get to their spawning ground and they die. They're just out of gas. They're done. They can't go any farther. They die. They've been swimming upstream the whole time. It's very difficult for them to get upstream. It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to try to fit in. It's easy to, to not rock the boat. It's easy to, to not go against the system. It's easy to just not stick your neck out, especially for the Lord, especially in our culture, especially in our day. When you say a word for Christ and you're cut off, you can say and promote any vile, wicked thing you want to, and you get press and airtime, and they'll give you a trophy. But you say something for the, for the Lord, and you're done. Well, we teach our children, don't follow the crowd. You know, I have just a general policy of life. If everybody else is on board, I'm not. That's my general policy. If everybody else is for it, if there's a fad, if everybody else is, is crowding over here in this way, I stop. Just stop. Let's see what all this is about before we join in. And we need to teach our children that discernment to, to understand where the crowd is going and, and what they're pursuing and know that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Verse 16 tells us of this crowd, their feet run to evil. That's where they're headed. That's where the crowd is going. And we teach our children to stay away from the crowd, not to follow the crowd, not to just do what everybody else says is cool to do. Another one, not so much addressed specifically in these verses, but it's absolutely addressed in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we see him... We see Solomon starting it in chapter 2 down in verse number 16. We teach our children the dangers of wicked women. Now this is something very important for us as fathers to teach our sons. 
But it's also important that we teach our daughters the same. We obviously don't want our daughters to end up as wicked women. But in chapter 2, verse 16, he says here, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth, forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold on the paths of life. And so we teach our children chastity and purity. We instruct them in, in ways that are chaste and pure. We want to teach them to grow in sanctification and a maturity and growing in grace and in the knowledge of the truth. And for that to govern their lives and for their actions to all be filtered through that sieve of what would the Lord have me do? What is the right and the appropriate thing in this context to do? And so as fathers, we have a responsibility of setting up fences and roadblocks for our children. Because we know there's danger over there, there's danger over there. And so we put the roadblocks in place to protect them. It's important that we as parents know what websites our children are going to. What kind of things they're, they're seeing online. Even places where advertisements would be in, in the like. It's important that we know as parents where our children are going on YouTube and what they're watching and what they're doing and what they're being exposed to. It's important that if you have a television in your house to block channels from even the guide list that shows up, the, the parental controls or whatever. It's important that we understand what music our children are making a diet of and, and taking in and the, and the content and the lifestyle implications of what's being portrayed in much of today's music. And it's important we understand what's on their phone, what podcasts they're listening to. The world has changed so much from when you and I were children. Some of these things were difficult to come by. But now spiritual carnage is literally a click away. And it's important that we teach our children chastity and purity in these areas. It's important that we protect them from friends that would lead them astray in these ways. We teach them modesty. We teach them to be appropriate. This is a, one of the difficult things that parents have to deal with with their children. It's difficult to have some of these conversations. They're delicate. They're sometimes embarrassing. They're, they're hard things to talk about. But it's important that we talk about these things. And we do our children a great disservice if we teach them and, and try to, to guide them in one area only to see us going a completely different direction in our own life. It's confusing to them. Part of the modesty that we teach them is appropriateness for the occasion. And a father's instruction has to be very broad in all of these different areas of life. And Solomon gives us just, if you will, a sampling of these things that we, we have to teach our children. And thankfully, we're not left to ourselves. It's not as if we as fathers are left to ourselves to figure this out. No, the Lord has given us a whole book 
to instruct us on what to instruct. Right? We have a guidebook. We have instructions. The Bible deals with every area of life. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable. It's profitable for everything you need it to be profitable for. It's profitable for all of the instruction and righteousness that you need. And so as parents, we make use of the Lord's Word in instructing our children. And then the last and most important thing is that as fathers, our instruction must point our children to Christ. This is absolutely the most important thing that our children can ever know. We can try to instruct them in all of these other things. You can instruct your child in chastity and purity and modesty. You know, when I was a teenager, um, the big campaign, at least in the Southern Baptist Convention, some of you might remember this, true love waits. You got the t-shirt, true love waits. Well, it does. Of course it does. But you can teach your children chastity and modesty and purity and all that without teaching them Christ. It's important that we teach them Christ. It's important that we teach them the gospel. So many parents today are so consumed with making sure their child is on the right and the best travel ball team in town, whether it be baseball or soccer or basketball or you know, whatever. Get them on the right team. Get them signed up in the right league. Or teaching our children how to be successful in this, that, or the other thing. But Solomon doesn't guide his children into those areas of life. He guides his children into truth. Look at verse 7 of chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He doesn't say going to the best college is the beginning of knowledge. He doesn't say making sure that you really study and you know you need to learn how to highlight the right words in your book so that you can make a good grade on your test because that's, that's where knowledge comes from. You know, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's a fool that despises that wisdom and that instruction. In chapter 2, he tells his son, if you'll receive my words, if you'll listen to what I'm instructing you about the things of the Lord, and if you'll hide these commandments in your heart so that you, you incline your ear, you listen to wisdom, and you apply your heart to understanding, if you cry for it, if you seek for that, if you seek for wisdom like you would seek for silver, like you would, like you would look for a, a treasure that you've heard about that's been hidden someplace, and you, you look and you look and you look till you find it. If that's your attitude for wisdom, well, then you'll find the fear of the Lord. You'll understand the fear of the Lord, and you'll find the knowledge of God. And so Solomon is instructing his children, and therefore instructing us as parents to instruct our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews, whatever, to seek the Lord, to seek Christ. I mentioned wisdom. I think most of you already know, but just in case you don't, uh, there is something very important here. We're, we're told here that children are to incline their ear unto wisdom. 
Well, if you're taking notes, I hope you wrote down that as fathers, we must instruct, our instruction must point our children to Christ. But yet Christ, that, that name, C-H-R-I-S-T, it's not here in Proverbs. But instead, we're, we're talking about wisdom. You incline your heart, incline your ear to wisdom. Well, there's something very important for us to know. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon uses wisdom as a personification of Jesus Christ. Was it eighth grade? You start literature and you learn all these terms of literary technique. Anybody know what personification is? Personification is when you give personal attributes or qualities to an abstraction, something that's not real. So it's a personification. And so wisdom, wisdom is an abstraction. Wisdom is real, but wisdom is a, an, ab, an abstract thing. But human and personal qualities are given to wisdom. And so when Solomon speaks of wisdom, he doesn't call it it. He refers to wisdom as her. He uses a, a personal pronoun to refer to wisdom. And so look at chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will... Pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So Solomon speaks of wisdom as a person, as, as a human. Well, it might be confusing that the pronouns here are feminine. Um, Solomon was not woke. Don't worry. The word wisdom is simply a feminine noun. And so he's just being grammatically correct in his pronoun-noun agreement um, when he wrote in Hebrew. And that's the only reason it's feminine. But that doesn't detract from or take away from the emphasis that wisdom is used as a personification of, of Jesus Christ. In a sense, what we just read there in chapter 1, verses 20 to 23, is Christ speaking. Christ is the one who says, "'Turn ye at my reproof.'" Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. This is the Lord speaking. And Solomon, in his instruction, he's pointing his children, he's pointing his son here to seek that wisdom, to seek Christ, to follow him. Christ is the only source of wisdom. You're not going to find it anyplace else. In the book of Proverbs, there's... Uh, an interesting thing to take note of. There's a couple different Hebrew words that are translated as fool or or foolish. Um, But there's an interesting study to do in the book of Proverbs on the subject of the fool. We read just a moment ago in verse number 22 of chapter 1, how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity? Well, that word simple is one of the Hebrew words for a fool. He's a novice. 
He's one who simply has not learned yet. He's ignorant in the dictionary definition of that term. He, he just has not been given any knowledge yet. He's simple. He doesn't understand because he's never been taught. And there's not anything necessarily morally wrong with that. It would be wrong for that simple one to remain in simplicity and to never seek knowledge. But that's one of the kinds of, the, of fools in the book of Proverbs. In verse 22, we also have one of the other ones. It says, and the scorner delight in their scorning. There are basically four kinds of, pro- of fool. The simple one is, is the lower end fool. The scorner is that one who is a conscientious rejecter of truth. He's one who has been taught. He does understand. He does recognize the consequences of what he's chosen. And he has on purpose decided I reject that. I want my way instead. That's the scorner. He's the worst of, of the lot. But then it also says in verse number 22 about fools that hate knowledge. This is just uh, your old-fashioned garden variety generic fool. He's an idiot. He doesn't know. But the thing is about the fool in the book of Proverbs you, you, can, you can make a contrast between the fool and that one who is wise. In the book of Proverbs, the fool is one who is not converted. The fool is the one who is unsaved, if you will. And that one is called to seek wisdom. That one is called to come to the Lord. Christ is the only source of wisdom. And it's the fool, it's the foolish one, regardless of the level, that rejects the words of wisdom. They don't want reproof. They hate it. The simple one can be taught to come to reproof. But as a parent, we can tell a lot about our children's spiritual condition by the way that they respond to reproof, by the way they submit to correction. If you have a child that is just continuously defiant against correction, I don't think the Bible gives you any legitimate leg to stand on to say that that child is converted to Christ. If they are belligerent in their rejection of instruction, they're not saved. Our children may initially reject instruction, They may pout at instruction, but the Lord soften them and bring them to apology, however that plays out in your home. Well, that one we can discern an element of of a work of grace. But it's important for us as parents to teach our children that they must seek wisdom, they must seek Christ. Christ is the only way to find the knowledge of God. Without Christ, they're left to themselves. Christ is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so we must direct our children to wisdom. We must direct them to the truth of the word of God. And so when we come back to what John says, the Apostle John, when he said, I have no greater truth, or I'm sorry, we have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. 
This is what Pro- this is what Solomon in Proverbs is trying to teach his son. Son, walk in truth. This is the way of prosperity. This is the way of happiness. This is the way of peace and contentment. Walk in truth. Follow the Lord. Don't go your own way. He's going to say later in chapter 3, don't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding is, is a leg that's it's going to break. It's not... It's not a solid foundation to be on. It's going to give way. Don't lean on that. Don't put your weight on that. But instead, trust the Lord. Follow Him. And so as parents, this is our instruction to our children. We have to do this. As children, praise the Lord every day that you have parents that desire to teach you in the ways of the Lord. Thank the Lord for it. Uh, A lot of your peers don't have that. They have parents that hate them. They have parents that they don't love them, at least not biblically. Now, parents love their kids, but not biblically. If they're not teaching them the way of the Lord, the Bible says it's not real. So thank the Lord every day that you have parents that love you. And may the Lord help us all to follow him as parents to instruct and as children to obey. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you this evening for your word to us. We thank you for this book of Proverbs that teaches us the way that we are to go. And we know that what we've been dealing with this evening is so much easier said than done. But we pray that you would help us to have spiritual gumption to take up the responsibilities that you've given to us. And to do the right thing in our homes, to follow you. Pray that you'll bless us in this week that's before us. Help us with the different responsibilities and tasks that we have in the home, and the workplace. We pray that we would know your blessing. We pray that we would know your provision in everything. In Jesus' name, amen.